Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Christina, what's going on in Cali today? It is sunny, and I think I have a cold, and I sound like Phoebe from Friends, so it's going to be a rough one over here sounding like... You do like sound rough. I'm usually the one who cat. sounds rough. That's okay. Who cares? Yeah, it's cat. No, you're silky smooth. <laughs> if I'm the smoother one, we know there's a problem. Well, gosh, it got cold in South Carolina this weekend, like really cold. And so we're having that midlife discussion of do we run the heater or the air conditioner? My husband turned on the heater, Christina. Oh, no. We he turn may on, get injured. This is what we do. We turn on the heater during the day, and at night we turn on the air conditioner. Tell me that's not messed up. Because it's it has to be <laughs> like almost snowing for me to turn on the heater. I'd rather just get a blanket. I love it. Well, you know, speaking of blankets and finding things around our house, today's show is all about organization. And I know you may be thinking, what does that have to do with midlife? Well, wait, don't tune out. I'm about to tell you. My own personal experiences lately have involved empty nesting, you know, children, you know leaving? Do they take their things? What things they leave behind? How are you going to utilize this space as active midlifers? Um, What do you keep? What do you let go of? And it's a season that many of us are saying goodbye to parents and also thinking about our own demise. And I have a dear friend and I've watched her the last year go through the most difficult process of closing down the homes of her in-laws and her mother And whether they've passed or they're moving to an assisted living, um, it's a lot. And it has been a physical challenge just handling the things. It's been, it could have been financially problematic. And it's been emotionally draining for her. And so I think what I'd love for our audience to see is rethinking your spaces and how you want to live in this season, but also starting to think about as you go towards your next season, your end of life season, what you're going to leave for your children. How are you going to leave things for your children? Are you going to leave them a mess? Are you going to go through things early? Like when my mother had cancer, this sounds so weird, but this is how my mother was. I remember her sitting on the sofa and cutting up her credit cards. Mm. Like she was handling things. She left very little to be done after her passing. And she went into her kitchen and gave us things out of her kitchen. Even though my dad was going to be left there, these were things my dad obviously was not going to be using the, you know, trifle bowl. Um, So lots to say on this. I think it definitely fits midlife. So I've been wanting to do this for a while. And we recently made a new friend in Gail Gruenberg. Gail is the chief executive organizer of Let's Get Organized out of New Jersey. And she's going to probably need a translator for me, but we're going to try to get through this. But Gail, welcome to the show. Give us a Cliff Notes version of how you became a professional 
top right organizer. Uh, thanks so much for having me, ladies. Well, the short story is I kind of jumped in with two feet. The longer story is I used to be a certified public accountant and I was just hating life. So when a former colleague said to me, Gail, I think you'd be really good at organizing, I said, hell yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I started up right away. Uh, I took off a month, uh, November of 2003, which was really slow for accounting, and just figured, you know what, I've got this time. Let me figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Contacted an attorney, created the entity, reached out to my world. And within 12 hours, I had a pro bono client. I love it. Wow. So I love when our skills meet up with opportunity and all come together in a great time. And, you know, they're celebrity organizers now, y'all. This is a thing. Now, some of them, I see some of this stuff and I'm like, you couldn't figure that out? I mean, come on. Some of it gets a little bit... I don't know what the word is, but over the years, I know there've been people, like I remember back in the day, um, Susie Orman even said, you know, when you're disorganized, you will buy multiples of things. So therefore yes. it becomes a waste of money because you don't know what you have and cannot utilize it. And then, you know, we've got the later iterations, the Marie Kondos who are all about joy and you only having things that bring you joy and you decluttering these spaces. Or, so or, what's the Gail? Or hey, even the, one, yeah, the home edit, the home edit, they're all about you know, making they're everything. They're all about containers. Cont That's what they're about. I love a container. Shut up. Those girls I love, love a, container. a container. My husband hates the containers. I love a container. Give me a container for everything. I don't everything. need my cereal in a container. My husband would, would agree with you, but I say no. Because here's what <laughs> happens to me. And we're going to let Gail come in on this. If you have a cereal container, you have to completely empty it before refilling it, or you wind up with stale cereal on the bottom of the container. Hadn't thought about that, have you? See, my brain goes overdrive. Gail, jump in here and tell us what is your mantra for organizing? What's your what's your what's your thoughts? What do you go by? Uh, well, I prescribe my my mantra. My tagline is "Make space for blessings." I love that. Thank you. I think a lot of and, us live uh, in homes that are so packed full we couldn't bring in a new beautiful piece if we wanted to, mm -hmm. and then. I think we waste a lot of time when we're disorganized. That's my biggest thing is wasting time and energy trying to find something because it wasn't put in the right, as I call department. That's the way my home operates. Drawers are departments. And you don't just put something in the in a certain drawer. That's not the right department. And my husband sometimes, he's very tidy, but sometimes he tidies by putting things in the wrong department. And that means it's not cluttered and you don't see it, but it's still not locatable. So tell us kind of like how you see organization making a difference in people's lives. Oh, gosh, I have so many thoughts about what your lady, you ladies are talking about. Uh, okay, so how it makes a difference in people's lives. Yes, absolutely. Um, a, a place for everything and everything in its place. It's a tried and true, maybe trite uh, phrase, but it's true. When everything has a home, you know where to put it. When you're done and you know where to find it when you need it. Um, and describing where things go with labels and zones is a, a very easy way to communicate with other family members. Uh, like That's I, what's I missing. About, mm, 
The labels. I love the labels. Label. Yeah. A label is oh. How about a warning sign that when you open that door, it pops up and it says, if this is not a pen, a pad, <laughs> or a sticky note, it doesn't go in this drawer. How about that? That's true. That's true. Actually, um, my team and I, we have definitely taken to labeling the compartments in the drawers after we've organized it. them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be visible from the outside. So you have this beautiful kitchen. Because like I have two drawers of kitchen utensils, not silverware, but utensils. And I clearly know which utensil goes in which drawer. It's clearly thought out for me based on usage and shape. My husband, however, sometimes puts the ice cream scoop in the one that's involved with cooking rather than measuring, scooping. Drives me nuts. I'm totally getting this. the, The labels, it's happening. The labels are important, I'm telling you. They are. In fact, you know, as you're saying this, you remind me of something that my mom did. So I guess maybe this came down through the generations. We had a buffet in our dining room with the nice dishes. Yes. And to make sure that everyone knew exactly how to put them away, she took a picture and she posted it on the inside of the door. So maybe that was one of the the intros to organizing. You come by this honestly. Okay. So let me just say this. If I were to do something like that, my husband would look at me, he would uh, take the picture, he would crumple it up, and he would throw it away, and he'd be like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Come on, Kev. Then don't touch the dishes. No, he yeah, just, I mean, he's, I he's think not down too. with all that. <laughs> Good organization can be a relationship saver, because have you ever yeah. been the one... One of you sitting in the car and the other one's gone back in the house to look for something. That will rip apart a marriage faster than an affair. (laughs) So, Gail, in midlife, let's first tackle this part about kids leaving. Mm. Because I think it's very hard sometimes to reimagine our spaces and to part with some of little Johnny and Susie's little, you know, burp claws. And we hang on to a lot. How can we make good decisions on how we use our space and what we keep and what we don't. And just what are the best ways to go about this? To come up with one overall phrase, I would have to say positive self-talk to Mm -hmm. start with, because I have seen all sides. I personally cannot yet relate to the empty nest completely because my a wonderful son went off to college early, and then after he graduated, he came back, which I am so grateful for. And my daughter right now is a senior in college, so I am being she'll at least give me a few months together before she decides to go fly the coop. Uh, so I'm kind of getting my toe in the water. Um, conversely, I have seen people hang on to all kinds of stuff uh, way, way, way after they really should have parted with it. Um, what, so now l- let me pause you there. What are those things that that you see them holding on to that you're like, you know, you could have just let that go? What, what? everything? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I like I like that answer. Everything because I'm like, I think it's different <laughs> for all of us too. Yeah. What we want to hang on to. But what do you find helps your clients? First of all, let's just say this. When a child leaves and and they're gone and they're not coming back or not welcome back, however you look at it, what's the first step? What what do you recommend a client do first? Mourn. Mm -hmm. Um, 
definitely get in touch with the feelings that that encompass this new stage of life. Um, in my practice, because I focus on clients who are chronically disorganized, meaning that they have a brain-based condition that they're living with that affects their ability to get organized, there are a whole lot of emotions and and physical organic things that people are dealing with. Um, and some of it is depression and not acknowledging the the feelings that go with life transitions can really make those transitions much more difficult um, because it's not really about the stuff. It's about how you feel about the stuff. Um, so a child leaving and taking all their stuff with them may actually represent, um, say, a mother or a, a father as well feeling like, oh my God, they don't need me anymore. My entire okay, role well, as a wait, parent I have to is back up going out something the You said they're taking all their stuff. Yeah. In my experience, my children, nor my friend's children, took all their stuff, which is part of the problem. <laughs> it's like, are you yeah. coming back to get this? But I, again, I'm going to go back to my mom, the most serious human. There was a day after you got married, we're not coming back, after, that you would get a call from my mom. My brother and I both went through it. And she would just announce that she was bringing your things over in boxes, and she would put them out in your driveway. She did not care if you had room. It didn't no matter what excuses. There was a day that Stella Irene was done with it, and she would just bring your baby dolls, your book collection, whatever she had that she didn't want anymore, and she would just put it out. But she was very non-sentimental and very no-nonsense. That was very easy for her. But a lot of parents, that's not easy. No, I think she gave you a gift by being who she was and, and doing this with you. Because for the most part, the people that I work with are the polar opposite. It, they just, they want to hold on to things. And, you know, if, if say, in that situation, many adult kids may move out and they might leave their stuff. And the parent is like, what am I going to do with all this? So I do advise them to do what your mom did. Just say, you know, here's the deadline. If you come get it, great. If you don't, it's going out on the curb and Bye. Yeah. So you <laughs> do set those boundaries. You do think that's wise to set the boundaries. Oh, boundaries well, are essential in and organizing. I, I have to say this, Gail. I, I love what you said when you said you've got to mourn first. Um, my son left the home at 17 uh, to go into the military. And so it was like one day he was here and four days later he was, he was shipped off. And so since he's since 17 years old, he has not been back home. So my son is now 21, and he has never come back home. You know, I mean, he's come back home to say, you know, hi and all that stuff. Hi, and get a it, meal. It, it, yeah, hi, get a meal. You know, no, he doesn't left. even come and do laundry. He does laundry on his own. And, and Mine wasn't like, it, a, I'm moving out this day. He just decided one day he would you know, stay somewhere all night and decide he would just stay there stay forever kind of never thing. come up. So he yeah. would just start coming in little bits. The problem was for us, Gail, is he would cherry pick. He would go into his room, get what he thought he needed for the next month of life and leave a mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is this common? Yes. And that would definitely engender difficult conversations, um, boundaries, and and setting expectations, um, I find that maybe now in our generation, I think several 
people, and I'm trying to find the right words, um, maybe some in our generation are afraid to say to our children, hey, you know, dude, mm-hmm. you know, do that. This is, this is the way it's going to be. I love you. However, you got to show up. Well, and that, was, that was my heart. That was the hardest thing for me is because I felt like this was his space and I wanted to have a space for him to come home to, you know, like if he needed to ever come home, like this would be a space. But then when he left on to his first deployment, he's like, mom, I've got an apartment. I'm not coming home. Like do, do with it. What that is you want. a hard line in this saying when you yeah. stop having their room. Yes. So yes. Let's kind of, I think there's a couple of things that causes us to get stuck here, Gail. You know, you mentioned the sentimentality of it. Christina's mentioned that they may be coming back. I need to hold space. First, I want to get your opinion. I think we can hold space in a variety of ways. And thirdly, I think overwhelm comes into play. Like some Mm -hmm. of our children, especially this generation, they've been quite spoiled and they have so much of everything. I mean, when I left, it would have fit in two boxes. There just wasn't (laughs) this kind of, I mean, these kids today, they have enough to outfit an apartment. And this was our last little chickie at home. And he, you know, was the little prince we call him. So I I think that this generation is different and sometimes we're left with overwhelm. So when, how do we work through that process of saying this space, we're no longer call this little Johnny's room. This is now a guest room or this is an office, but still, because it's kind of what we're doing now. My husband said he went to move the Peloton and his desk into my son's old bedroom. And there was a little bit of mommy that's like, but that's his bedroom. How do you coach your clients when things like that come up? Oh boy. Uh, you know, honestly, um, hmm. I'm just trying to think back to a good example. I think the word you used is absolutely perfect. Coach. Um, because we, I think we do we, ask. Here, here's what I'm going to say, because I'm not the expert. I think we, in this season, whether you're 40, 50, 60, we need to make our homes places that are conducive to the lives we want to live right now, mm-hmm. rather than living Absolutely. in the past. Would you agree with that? Completely. 100%. And what's um, happening right now is my husband is riding the Peloton because it was a way to get him off the streets with his bicycle. And so that was important to me. And we had other spaces, but that's where he wanted it. But there was a little bit. So I think sometimes we struggle with that, but it's healthy for us to design our spaces around who we are today, right? Yes, absolutely, 100%. And that's that's where the coaching comes in. We ask all kinds of, um, not probing questions, but clarifying questions about, you know, if someone is having a challenge, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's my son's room and I don't want the Peloton in there. You know, we, we do come to, uh, say, a funnel of like, okay, so how do you want to live your life right now? You know, are there ways where we could still accommodate your son or at least his presence and still move the Peloton into the room so that everyone feels like, okay, you know, we're all honored. We're all, you know, we have our space and it's still being used in the way that we want to go forward rather than looking past. Like put a little day bed in there, right? So we have a futon in there. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if he ever needs to come back home, there's still a place for you to sleep, but this is not really your home anymore you've decided to move and and i think that is a line in the sand when you finally you know and i think 
I'm going to throw this out there, Gail. Uh, you know, I think Christina kind of said it without saying it. Communication with mm. that child. Do yeah. you have any intention of coming back here? Do you foresee yourself back here? Because dad and I are going to make some changes rather than the child just coming home and his room's gone. Yes. I think that could be problematic for when you, it, let's communicate about it. Absolutely. Communication is essential. Just yeah, discussing everything. And that's where sometimes the difficult conversations mm -hmm. come into play. They may not be comfortable, but they are necessary. And yeah, organizing is never about the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> there is yeah. a lot there. So if your child uh, is gone, and if you've decided you're going to repurpose some of these spaces, where do you start? Do you start with a major clean out? Do you start with sending their stuff on a U-Haul to their current location? Do you... What do you do first? And do you try to reimagine the entire home at one time and make a plan? Or kind of how do you go about mm. this? Because I think this is what a lot of us do. We get stuck. We don't know. Like we had so many things we had put off and needed to do that once we started yeah. to free these spaces, it was overwhelming. So what's the best place to start? Ah, uh, boy, boy. Okay. Various answers. Definitely with a conversation. Um and forgive me, I just, okay, total midlife senior moment here. <laughs> Whoosh! <laughs> I get it. Uh, thank you. Um, often I would suggest starting in a place that either is the easiest place and kind of ease into the process of having to make decisions and, and being willing to discard and purge and let go of the emotions that are surrounding things. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some people will feel like, okay, let me just, you know, take the bull by the horns and do the hardest part first, whatever that is. Um, my, my process, usually with a smaller area, is just go like one by one, say one drawer, one shelf, one section, because the homes that I tend to go into are fairly cluttered. Mm. <laughs> and so it can like be if we're going into the child dream, do you start with clothing? Do you start with school-related stuff since they're no longer in school? Where do you recommend to start? Well, I think it would depend on if I'm working with the parent uh, who's going to be staying in the home or if the adult child is coming for a visit or whatever, to work with both of them at once is also an option. And they does would have to tell well me. Does that work well or does that lead to a lot of fighting? It depends. My um, son was a hoarder. Yeah. And he didn't really? like, okay. oh my gosh, when I tell you, Gail, every concert ticket stub, every straw that he used on a date with that magical girl, every, I mean, uh, he, my son has piercings, so there were earrings and, I mean, in the carpet, falling down. I mean, it, it, you just cannot imagine the tiny little pieces. And he would oh, just... Yes, I can. <laughs> Collecting things that really had no value, and you just could not get him to part with. He was a poster boy. He liked posters everywhere, pictures. He liked all the things on the walls, and we finally were just like, whatever. So it was, for me, it was overwhelming when we stepped into this into his room to know we had to make some decisions. Now, we did, I, I'll just give our listeners some tips from having to go through this with a hoarder. I had two containers. I had this big, huge container that I use for leaf collection, basically, or a big basket. And that is things that go elsewhere in this home. <laughs> because we found a lot of things that were missing 
from my parts of the home that my son had helped him to, you know, those scissors you needed when you were wrapping Christmas gifts or your scotch tape, your shark. I mean, so many things that went other places in the home. And we had a bucket for that. So that as I came across it, instead of handling it more than once, I could put it in the bucket and it left the room and got distributed around the house. And a huge leaf top trash bag for things that were just going. And Gail, that's where I started. Do you think that's a good place for a lot of our listeners to begin? I would have to ask you, had he already moved out when you tackled his room? Yes. He had moved out and left us all the trash. He did not move out in any kind of orderly fashion. Okay. Got it. Um, (laughs) We're talking ADD, highly creative, very brilliant, but in the moment. He comes and gets the things that, and what he thinks he needs are things like the PlayStation, the speakers Uh that Uh do different colors when they play music, things like that. Not. Not, not the, I mean, not he the left tricky. underwear. He left. I mean, it's ridiculous. But yeah, um, I just I'm glad I just threw this. it all out. I was like, if you don't want it, it's going. I'm throwing it all out. Oh gosh, there are so <laughs> many answers I could give you right now. So to to be very specific, what I what I suggest is definitely start with the garbage first. Uh, very obvious garbage, and then you sort of you go layer by layer to see what's left. Um. Okay, uh, so that, okay, I'll answer that in, in that order. So layer by layer, garbage first, and then you can see how you can group whatever is left over into logical categories. Then you see how much you have of those categories, what stays, what goes, how many do you need? Like this is the big overall picture of how to go through the process um, and, and where to start uh, once you've gotten rid of the garbage is, I would say, whatever's the easiest it just, I think that just goes quickly um, to be able to see what you have and decide, all right, this stays, this goes. And I, I'm sorry, I'm getting repetitive. Um, but what I really want to hone in on is what you just said about his ADHD. And that, because it sounds to me like that is so pervasive that he might have certain sensory processing preferences. You know, if he's like, the really hands-on kind of guy, or he's visual and he needs to see things out, then definitely there's going to be a ton of clutter. Well, not definitely, but there's likely oh, there to be a ton of clutter. There was more than a ton of clutter. And the thing yeah. is, Gail, we tried to do these processes with him, and he would always claim, like, he did not like us touching his stuff and coming to his space, because he had this fear yeah. that we were going to get rid of these things. But some of them needed to go. You're like, it's a popsicle stick. Yes, but I collect those. I'm going to get, you know, it was just crazy. Or he would drink these Japanese soda pops that he got at the special yeah. Asian store, and he'd want to keep all these little bottles because they had this little glass bottle in them. I'm like, it's a soda pop. <laughs> Kill me now. No, <laughs> because I'm a, I'm more of a minimalist. Well, the thing was, though, Gail, when left to his own devices, he was incapable. So yes. as a parent trying to help him succeed, I would go in and try to do the labeling and the categories. It didn't really stick. So we were left with a mess. Um, a couple other things I'll throw in this helped us is like, we have said we're going to go because he also had a space, a game room, another part of the house. That was a wreck. <laughs> And so, I told my so husband, Gail, he had it, two. He had two rooms. Not he had two one. rooms, basically. I'm telling you, he's the last one in the house. And you know, we bought our house when we had more children around and think, you know, visiting and all. So he did have access to a lot of spaces, which he completely wrecked. But 
We also, I found it so overwhelming to go into these spaces. I remember recently I adopted this. We're going to go in there and work for an hour. So for me, just knowing that I didn't have to allow a whole day or an entire weekend that way be exhausted, that's helped me to be more proactive about finally getting the project finished where I can like paint the wall and clean the carpet and those kind of things. It's just, okay, one hour, set a timer. We're going to do an hour's worth yeah. of work. And that's after he moved out. Yes. We are slowly but yeah. surely getting to a place where it's made, like I told my husband the other day, I think all the honey holes and corners are cleared out. All the drawers and cabinets are cleaned out. What you see in the middle of the floor is all that's left, honey. We're, we're there because there's like no more surprises. And that was a point that we could feel good about and keep going through the process and start to vision and reimagine how we would use these spaces. And like Christina brought up, one of the things we've looked at when we started to reimagine is I think it's important to really take an inventory of what your needs are in this season of life. Are those adult children visiting? Are they bringing grandchildren? Because we realize we've bought homes with a vision that hasn't always come to pass. Mm. Um, sometimes mm. they don't visit as often. They seem to expect us to come to them and things like that. So I think that's a good process. Don't you, Gail, to really sit down with your partner, your husband, if he's still in the you know, if you've got someone living with you and talk yeah. about what, how is this home going to be used? Yes, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I can't add to that because yeah, definitely. It's all about communicating and planning and yeah, creating the space where you want to do your things now. You know, actually, I think it's once the kids have, have left, it's easy. Then, like you're saying, you could just clear it all out. You know it's what's gone. become difficult you know? <laughs> for me, though, is sometimes I look at, like, buying new furnishings and things like that, and I'm like, I could do that or I can go to the beach. I'd rather go to the beach <laughs> because we don't have a ton of company. And so sometimes I do tend to put that off secondary. But I did. We have painted and refurbished the guest room with white linens that I've always wanted wow. white, but with children, I mean, there was just no way because you never knew. You just never knew what's going to happen or who they were going to drag in. And so pretty and no one bothers it. But we've also um, looked at, like Christina said, multifunction furniture. We found that to be helpful. Do you recommend that? Like futons and Murphy beds and things like that. Yes, absolutely. Especially in a smaller space, like many people might be downsizing at this stage of life. So yes, things that can do multiple duty, definitely I recommend those. Um, and as you were you were saying, you reminded me of something. When I first started organizing, I had a lovely client who had a sign on her, her wall that said, cleaning house while the kids are still growing is like shoveling snow while it's still snowing. So, so true. true. Yeah, that's so true. You know, she was a wise. You know, woman. one of the things that we've been talking about is is our children. Um, but I have a husband who is very <laughs> much, very much like he holds on to everything he could possibly hold on to. Um, we've been married almost for four years now, and it's finally he's finally come around to the space of hey, maybe we don't need all of these things. Um, so so we have a smaller house and he had a lot of big furniture. And when the pandemic hit, mm. I had I had moved into to his house. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, I feel like I'm boxed in even more. 
So it was like, can we just redo? Can we just redo the house? Can we redecorate it? Can we just redo it? Because I just felt like there was so much going on. And when you're working in the house and you've got the other person working in the house, it just it, it was just too much. Mm-hmm. So we did, and that's where the containers came into play. And I know we've been talking a little bit about containers. I love a container. I love a label. I love all of that. But he was like, so basically what you're telling me is that we're going to throw out all of this stuff so we can now buy new stuff, but we already have still good stuff. And I'm like, yes, that's up. that's absolutely right. That's what we're doing because your stuff is not in its place. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. I know when you're good. It's, it wasn't it pretty. Fit together. It doesn't fit. It, it, you know, it, it, I mean, he was by himself. He's a man. And I think men just buy you know, big you furniture. You are onto something there because I do it, think there are things that help us to be organized. Yes. I have found that bins in my office cabinets mm-hmm. that hold little pieces mm-hmm. um, are very helpful. And, and I visited an Ikea this weekend, not going to lie, and I came home with some drawer organizers. <laughs> and the thought of things being in their little slots just made me so happy instead of just rolling around the drawer. So I think there's a there's room for all that. So let's kind of switch into that, Gail. When you're helping someone organize, what kind of things do you do you put into place to help them organize all the little bits, the pieces, the papers, the, the boxes, the things? Yeah. Like I even have um, a basket. The tinies. That, we call it's for the chips tinies. and crackers. The <laughs> chips and crackers go in this basket. It's easy. They're not yes. all over the pantry. We were, you can't stand that. True. And we were saying earlier mm-hmm. about a home for everything, a place for everything, and everything in its place. So if everything has a home, that it's it's desirable. Um, but what I would like to say is that's the contained stage is what we're talking about now, and the contained stage is not the first stage. Without going through all of the the preliminary work and determining what is to be contained, the type of container that you need, what fits the space, what fits your aesthetic, um, then getting a container is. So when you are going it's, it's through a line. Out, now we know we've all yeah. heard of Marie Kondo and the Does It Bring Me Joy. Yeah. What are your criteria when you're doing a culling out and a clean out? What, what questions do you yeah. recommend people ask themselves? Um, Okay, so it depends on the the section being organized, but say it's clothing, that's kind of easy. Like, do I like it? (laughs) Does it fit me? Is it flattering? Is it in good condition? Uh, How many of it do I need? You know, a long time ago, even before I was an organizer, I I put, okay, this is not a plug. I do like the container store, but there are definitely other things out there. But I elfed my closet and I realized, oh my gosh, I had like, maybe five pairs of black shoes and 12 pairs of black pants or whatever it was. I'm like, I don't need this. Um, So it's really just pick your favorites. And what we use is 20% of our stuff, 80% of the time. So what's the 20% that you actually use and like? that's amazing. We use 20% of our stuff, 80% of the time. Yeah. Wow. And it's based on what's called the Pareto principle. I have that twenty percent. I have of your to tell effort. you, Gail. Gail just went through my closet and she saw all the black pairs of shoes that I had, and she said, "Why do you have so many black pairs of shoes? You can't wear them all at the same time." So she made me minimize my black Mag- shoes. You? 
I recommended, <laughs> supported <Yeah>. you in. <laughs> and I was like, dang, I really have a lot of black pairs of shoes. <laughs> well, like yeah, as a stylist, so as I was working with a client yeah. lately and she had a lot of certain items. So I said to her, like she had a lot of beautiful slip dresses and they were beautiful, but you're going to wear a slip dress every day. Probably not. And I said, you know what? Lay them all out and pick your four favorites, your five favorites. And that way people, sometimes I feel like when you talk to people about organizing, they think it's just getting rid of things they love. No, the idea is to get rid of the things you don't love or you're not using or don't serve a purpose for you right now. And, you know, sometimes I do agree with Marie Kondo going through that process and having to touch it. I think what's helped to me is moving over the years because when you're moving and you're using a um, moving company, first of all, you've got to organize it for them to come in and pack it or you wind up with things in some very strange places. And secondly, we have done moves where we were paying the cost or we had a certain dollar amount we were working with. And my question, Gail, became... Am I willing to pay to move that across three states? That For really sure. gave you some clarity on how much you love things when there is money attached. But I want people to look at this in a different way, because even if there's not directly money attached, there is money attached. There is. Because, you know, as George Carlin said, a house is just a place for our stuff. Mm. So the bigger your house, and there's another principle, the bigger your house, the more stuff you're going to accumulate. And that's called the Parkinson principle, that things expand to fit the space available. But I Well, and you just save yourself on how much space you think you need. Like when you look at buying a new home, like we've moved several times, yeah. you base it on the stuff you currently have, whether you need that stuff or not. I think, Gail, too, um, I want you to think on something. We're going to take a quick break, but I think people fail to put a, a fork in the sand and evaluate their life. So think on that, and we'll be right back. Hey, listeners, it's Gail here. During the new year, we often think about looking better and feeling better. And so I have an offer for you. If makeup is one of your concerns and you feel like you need a refresher course, I've got something for you. On January 28th at noon Eastern, I'm holding a two-hour Zoom class, a makeup intensive. This is where you come, I teach, and we put on our makeup together. Now we'll cover everything from skincare and prep, foundation selection application, color selection application, concealer, highlighter, all the tips that you can imagine. And you'll get personalized feedback from me, as well as a recording of the class and some worksheets to help you remember what you've learned. This is all available for only $49, but spots are limited. We only have eight spaces left in this sitting. So if you want in, shoot me an email to gailscott at bellsouth.net and tell me you want the link to register. Hope to see you then. Well, welcome back to Midlife Moxie. We're here with Gail Grunberg, and we're talking about all things organizing. And midlife is definitely a season with empty nesting, thinking about downsizing, preparing for our next season, parents passing away. There's a lot to organize between our stuff, our important papers, our money, our medications. <laughs> There's a lot to go in there. So, Gail, before the break, I ask you a question. Um, you know, what do you? What are your thoughts there? 
Would you mind repeating it for me? Well, when we think about, um, you know, evaluating, that's kind of seems to be what we, the step we miss. You see people like Grandma Susie. Grandma Susie has not stopped and reevaluated her life in 50 years. And I think there, there are seasons in life, like when a child leaves, if you get remarried, if you move, that sometimes naturally pushes towards decisions. But say things don't change in your life. Don't you think that every so often we need to just kind of have, put a fork in the sand and have a conversation about, is this space suiting me? And are there some changes that need to be made to, to fit my current life? Yes. And I've heard that the, there's the, the 40 and 70 when someone, <coughs> excuse me, turns 40. And when a parent turns 70, excuse me. Yeah, that four, 40 is a big deal anyway. For some, it's, it's 40, 45, 50, whatever your number, <laughs> that midlife, you know, big things are happening. Are those good yes. times to reevaluate uh, or should it happen more often than decades? Well, I'm I'm of the opinion that organizing systems need to be reevaluated on a very regular basis. And it could be a small organizing system that you might evaluate every week. Excuse me, it might be a, a little bigger system that you might do seasonally. Maybe on your birthday is a really great time to take stock. Um, a major you know, major birthdays, just some kind of a, like you're saying, a little line in the sand that is a bit of a wake-up call that doesn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily attached to a crisis because mm -hmm. when crises happen, that's when people tend to start to think about things. Mm -hmm. And so we're setting ourselves up to, there. When we wait till there's a crisis to deal with things, that's just, you're in the yeah. worst position to deal with things. So if we could be more proactive. Yeah. I know I tell my style clients, do a closet edit twice a year when the seasons change. Look at what you've got. Yeah. Look at what needs to go. Look for tears, rips, ill-fitting, out of date, you know. And But a lot of times we don't stop and evaluate. We just bring in more new things. And, you oh, know. Oh, my gosh. I think we need to evaluate some things also dealing with our age and our life. Like one thing I've noticed at this season of life, there's a lot more of those phone calls that there's a medical emergency, a death. You may get mm. phone calls that require you to act quickly, like going to the hospital. My mom suddenly went from she was fine one day to we need to go out of town and we were gone for 12 days. My son had a serious car accident. We didn't know what the situation was going to be. And then oh I realized as I was standing in my closet, not knowing my son's condition, I wasn't able to think at that moment, Gail, of what I needed to take. I couldn't process, like I could not put the senses together of, I don't know what to put in this bag. I feel frozen. And we talk a little bit about that preparing for events that we may be facing, because I realized then you need to either have a go bag or you at least need to have a list you can grab and just make yourself put the things in the bag. So thoughts on that? Yes, actually. Um, I think that's where the, the 40-70 thing comes in because at, at the age of 40, our kids are, you know, they're not necessarily babies many times or they might they might be. Um, but it's kind of a, a good time to be proactive and be mindful and start to think ahead a little bit about like having that grab and go bag, having all your documents in order, 
Um, we even talk about having your digital estate in order because God forbid something happens to you, someone has to get into your bank account or know where your insurance policies are. And, you know, you might say you don't have a great file system. You know, if you have a, a grab and go box or whatever of a paper copy, wonderful. Well, like for stainless in California, those... I mean, fires creep up and people, yeah, you don't want to be a... looking for all that at the moment. Yeah. Well, we, we, I mean, we're not really close to, to where the fires are, but I will say that when my dad was going through his stuff, um, we had to get things in order, you know, and my mom didn't have those things in order. And so she was looking everywhere, you know, she was looking, my, my dad passed, um, last year. And, um, and so she was like, well, all we have is this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not enough. I can't, I can't work on their behalf. And you want me to work on their behalf. Like I have to have other things. So, so there was just, it wasn't just and about. And here she is his, in a crisis now. You yeah, cannot think right. clearly in a crisis it, to it, find exactly, the things. Exactly. Exactly. No, I remember my yeah. father-in-law passed away. My mother-in-law said, will you go to the right. house and help me look for X? And I'm like. Yeah. Wow. It, it's it's that's, like, that's yeah, because you don't know what order. to do. But I will say this, um, and I'm sure we'll probably get here. After somebody passes, uh, I've noticed that my mom was able to really, after my dad passed, she was able to go to the house and start to, you know, put things like, okay, we don't need this. We don't need this. I want this gone. I want this gone. I want this gone. I want this gone. She hasn't done that with his clothes. But she she did that with everything else, and I think the clothes is just kind of that last thing that she's just like. And that's very not personal ready. thing. Yeah, some people it keep is. it forever, and some people yeah, want to clear. The, it is. It, it they is. want to clear that out. Yeah. And what you're talking about is the readiness factor. Oh. If she might have been ready to do some mm -hmm. of it, and she was not ready to do other parts yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, and being ready is huge because sometimes I, what we call in organizing, we call it marinating. You know, something just has to marinate there yeah. for a little while before someone is prepared to address it. Because you know, with a, a death, especially, you know, if there's um, <laughs> if if there's the luxury of waiting a couple of years, if at all possible, and I know that's a lot of time yeah. to to sit with stuff, yeah. but I think after. You know, before two years have passed, most people are just in shock. Well, yeah, unless you're you're you know really excuse me I anticipating think a lot has a death. to do with yes how they you know is was it anticipated was it a shock had they been ill for a very long time you know something else I think we don't think about as we begin to age is setting up our house in case we needed medical care of our own. Like mm -hmm. even if you're just having yes. knee replacement, surgery on your shoulder, if your house is in a mess, other people have trouble coming in and caring for you or, you know, ask yourself, am I going to need, what if I needed to be on crutches in a wheelchair, even short term, because as 40 and 50 year olds are getting knee replacements and shoulder <laughs> surgery. And if our home is so full of junk, you can't even get the things in there. You can't get down the hallway with a wheelchair or, you know. So there's some things we really do need to think about as midlifers 
If someone needed to come take care of you, can they find the things they need? Would you be embarrassed for them to come in and care for you? Because we do put off things out of embarrassment, you know, sometimes. There really are things to think about there. Now, I want to make a shift to preparing kind of on the other end, how we can better prepare, how we can help our parents to prepare. So do you have tips for people who are more in that end season or dealing with parents who are in this in season. I think it comes back to those difficult conversations because I will tell you, my dad is turning 80 tomorrow. Oh, that's so awesome. It is. That's a beautiful life. That's awesome. Mm. Yes. I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of him. I'm very excited for him. I'm sure he's looking in the mirror going, holy crap, how did this Mm -hmm. happen? Mm -hmm. Um, but he's also, he's a very young That's 80. That's great. I love that. That's so great. And, and I'm so grateful. However, there's a big however, because my dad is a big mush. I mean, he's a wonderful guy. He's strong. You know, he's, he's a man. He's 80. You know, he's lived through all kinds of yucky things. Um, but he also doesn't want to face his own mortality mm-hmm. or has not wanted to. And right now it's sort of banging him in the face. Um, so... I think it, it's incumbent upon those of us who, with aging parents, to say, look, I know this is a really uncomfortable conversation. However, yeah. you know, we have to address it. And that, that's the bottom line. Because I'll tell you, my mom passed in a car accident when I was 22 wow. and she was 48. So that's where, like, my mindset is of, holy crap, something could happen any day. Um, mm. So if you're not ready, you know, it, it's going to creep up on you and you're going to be up a creek without a paddle. So I have the ability, my own self, to say to my dad, look, we got to put these things in place, which then triggers me to say, all right, I got to put this in place for myself because my kids, you know, I don't want them to be saddled with not knowing what to do in case of an emergency. So it's, well, it's know, a difficult conversation. It's going to help with a lot of things after the fight, because I know I yeah. watched my mom when uh, my, a friend of mine, when her mom was going to an assisted living, going to have to pare down um, or a senior community. It was a little co- going from a big house to a cottage that I think one way we can say to our parents is if we do this now, you get the opportunity to have a voice in where you wanted things to go and how you want them to be utilized. And I can also exercise my voice to tell you what things of yours are going to be important to me. Because I think sometimes our parents are hanging on to things that they think we want and we do not want. (laughs) So I'm glad you said that. No, so So this communication can be so important. And a list of, you know, if you help an elderly person make a list of where she does want things to go, I think that takes the weight off your shoulders because I've watched friends and people struggle with they want to honor the deceased and the, what their yeah. wishes would have been, but they're not here to tell you. And you get very conflicted on what to do with some of these things. Would you Would you want these? Would you want me to sell these? Would you want me to give the? What would you want me to do? Gosh, um, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. You're reminding me of something, and the word is just completely escaping me. But it's basically, in addition to things like wills and, and um, advanced directives and things like that, um, writing a love letter, if there's a senior or even us at midlife, we could write a love letter to our families. Um, and if you bear with me, the words will come to me, but it's a blank estate. <laughs> um, 
as we're yeah, talking, I'll remember what it is. Yeah, I love that because that does hold down yeah. children fighting, children disagreeing on how yeah. to dispose of, mm. we could call them assets, but so let's be clear. Some of these things aren't assets. <laughs> they are, they're, part, they're, they're things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, you know, there may be a disagreement amongst the heirs of, you know, what what we should do with these, should these things be sold? And if they're going to be sold, that can leave an executor in a real mess and with a lot of burden to do this after someone's passing. And that can create tension amongst children and heirs. If this executor has been unduly burdened with dealing with this kind of thing. And those are things we don't think about. Like how many of us can stop our jobs, stop what we're doing to go you know, um, liquidate an estate, that can be a very big thing, especially if your parents have a lot of assets and a lot of things and still living in a big home. And it's extremely time consuming. And there are right now we're finding, at least in my area, excuse me, that no one is taking anything. We, we try Habitat for Humanity, we try the veterans and we try this and we try that. And they might take stuff and then it's going into a landfill and we don't know about it. Yeah. So disposing of things right now is a humongous challenge. And thank you for bearing with me because the word I was trying to come up with was ethical wills. Oh. Mm. And this is a, a real thing. Um, it, it's this one that I, this book I have is about ethical wills. I admit I have not read it. However, I have done research and I've given talks on it. And it's an ethical will is essentially a love letter to the family about, you know, it could be anything, you know, this is what I want to have happen to X, Y, Z, or, you know, I want to impart to you some life lessons I've learned along the way. And this is what's important to me. And these are the values that I hold dear. And because these are my values, this is what I would like you to do. These are my wishes. So it's much more than a legal document. It's more of a a heartstrings document. Mm. I love that I because like that. I think if you're left behind as the executor and you know a person want to donate things to a certain charity or they had a special friend that they knew collected this kind of book, you may not have known that. And that's not something mm. you would have probably put in a will, but just wishes, thoughts, you know, if nothing else, would you send these books to Susie? And, you know, Uncle Harry was always very, you know, he really loved these photographs or they, you know, I think that could be very helpful. Yeah. Um, because I, I, it, it's hard to know what someone's wishes are after they're deceased. And I think it puts an undue burden on people who are um, liquidating estates to have to make those kind of heart-wrenching decisions when they're already in a grief stage themselves. And especially when both parents are gone. Oh my gosh. And it can get super complicated, especially if step families get involved of, um, we had a situation, my husband's family that has gone very awry and is very sad. And, you know, I wish there had been discussions in advance, and I wish we'd have known what was going to happen in advance, how how they wanted, what their, because I think what eventually happened was not what their intent would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and intent and I think, matters in these situations. Uh, well, and I think that's Very that's much. that's why you write it all out. One of the things that my mother-in-law has done um, for, for my husband and um, and his sister is... Every year, she'll go through her home, and she will give on on their birthday and on Christmas a piece of 
something from her home that was, you know, a momentum, right? That she thinks that they should have. It's kind of funny because my husband's like, do I really need this? And I'm like, well, this is, she found that this is something that she wanted to give to you. So it, it meant something for her to give it to you. And so, so we have these things that we're starting to collect over time because she doesn't want at the end of her life where we have to go through and declutter everything or, you know, have to well, there's assign also the things. beauty that she can see you receive it mm-hmm. and enjoy mm-hmm. it. Like yeah. if there's a special thing, yeah, like it's interesting. My husband's family, there is a pan that they cook the fruit cobblers in. Now this pan, had I been clearing out the home, would have went right in the trash. But this thing is like, you would think it was 14 karat gold, the way they, who has the pan right now? But if things like that aren't written down and talked about, they can they can be lost. And, you know, we need to have the conversations about what's important and also go through, I think over time we forget about the things we have. And some things of value may not get written down in a will. But if we do these seasonal checks, if we do these occasional cleanouts, we're going to know what we have. And we know if there's things we can gift. And sometimes it is better to gift things now than in an estate financially. Um, There are things that can be gifted with no tax burden. And so all this just, I think it's going to just give us a better life and more peace. Am I wrong, Gail? Totally, completely. I had worked with a lady a while ago who was, I think, 83 at the time. And a phrase she used really stuck with me. And it was give with warm hands. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I, I love, love that. that. I love that. Yeah. Another wise lady. Oh, you are around that. some pretty wise women. I am so blessed to work with some of the most awesome yes, people. Yes, that's a beautiful saying. Mm. So... When we look at this season of life, and we're going to kind of start to wrap things up a little bit, and we know things are in disarray, what things matter first? If Should we deal with wills and paperwork? Should we deal with health documents? What should happen first? Oh, gosh. I do believe, to the core of my being anyway, that if we are able to address some of those more difficult things, like having those decisions made early on. And I think there's a theme through what we've been saying is start early. Um, I I really think there's a great deal of peace of mind uh, that is established, knowing that, you know, I say, I'll just speak for myself. I've made these decisions when I'm of sound mind. I know my mind. I know what I want to have happen. Whereas my kids can't read my mind. Um, and if I don't tell them, they'll never know what's important to me. Um, and then it's kind of like you're you're totally free. You've created these these bumpers mm. to just live life. You know, you've got the hard stuff done. <laughs> now let's think about just the stuff. If someone's whole entire home is in disarray, are there certain rooms that you think are easy to tackle first? Uh, it depends on the person. Um, it depends on the client. Do you I like to start in the rooms that you use a lot, or do you like to start with those extra rooms? Uh, let's see. I, w- I would definitely say that I will evaluate every client situation on 
their needs first and then what's easiest. Um, For instance, if there is a situation, and we've definitely had them, where someone is in danger Mm. um, because, say, the the home is so hoarded, um, then basically it's we've got to shovel out a path to the front door before we do anything else. That's got to be hard. Um, And we've done that. I kind of have chosen Uh, mine based on which room's causing me the most grief to my daily activities and my happiness. Which one do I think about? Which one do I get frustrated when I go in? Which one is causing me to not be able to find X, Y, Z? Because I feel like when I start there, the the accomplishment and the dopamine hit and all those good feelings are so worth it that I'm motivated to do the other. So when things need an uplift, that's where I start. What's the one causing me the most grief? And it's going to make the biggest difference for me. And I stick with that one. Now, I don't think it's a good idea to skip around from room to room. Don't you agree? We're going to tackle one room at a time. 100 percent i definitely that is advocate so hard. starting that is so yes. hard because you got yeah. some stuff that's in this room but it's supposed to be in another room but then it's now it's got to go over here so then that's you start you working the, in that room. the basket of things that oh. go somewhere else the somewhere Lord. else basket yeah. they may not even and be I'm put somewhere else saying, right away but i love having that's right this room i'm taking everything that doesn't belong out and it may sit in this so I'm ready to deal with it. But I also do things seasonally, like clothing is definitely seasonal. My garage, I'm going to do that in the spring and fall when the weather is more temperate. I'm going to go in the attic in the winter when it's not blazing hot. So having a plan, I think, is a really good idea, don't you? Maybe, Gail, that you plan out the next year of months of what's best to do in each season. If possible, yes. Because especially like when you're cleaning out your clothes, consignment stores don't want your clothes out of season. They will not take them. So you can really be putting yourself in a pickle there. If you if you have this, like, say you've retired from your job and you have these lovely suits, but if you that it doesn't matter what they're worth. If you take them in the wrong season, they're not gonna you're not gonna get any money for them. Which change that by a few months, and you might have made some extra cash for your next trip to Sarasota or somewhere. Yes, I was actually earlier today just researching new consignment areas so I could give some information to a client who has tons of kids' clothes. Um, consignment is yeah, a big they're deal. they're not going to take them now. And you know, yeah. I am one that sometimes I'm motivated by deadline, like, okay, it's weighing on me that the holidays are coming, so I want to get some things in order. So we can also use that. But also, what if we were motivated by a goal like, I'm going, I want to go on a trip and I'm going to pull out enough clothes to consign and things to sell to pay for that trip. We can make this positive rather than negative, right, Gail? Absolutely. Definitely. Um, I've been called in prior to like weddings and retirements and bar and bat mitzvahs and my side. <laughs> um, yes. And it's it's very highly motivating. Uh and there's a reward. You know, I have what's called, I call the Ten Commandments of Organizing. I love it. And the it. number 10 is... I love it. <laughs> tell, us the, tell us the Ten Commandments, Gail. Go for it. Oh, tell my gosh. It. Oh, I, I, I'd have to pull it up. <laughs> but num, num, number one is thou shalt not beat thyself up. And number 10 is thou shalt reward mm. thyself. So if you're going on a trip or whatever it is you're, you're doing or you have this wonderful occasion, it's it's bliss to have gone through the whole process and, and really 
feel like, oh gosh, I've accomplished so much and now I deserve whatever is at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> it frees your mind, it frees money, it frees space, it just frees all the things. So I want to challenge our it listeners really out there. If you're being weighed down by disorganization, start somewhere. I have found even if I just clean out my refrigerator or I just tackle the junk drawer or I you know, just one little thing, it can really set off a chain reaction because the feeling is so good that you'll do the rest. And it's okay if you can't do it all. Now, Marie Kondo, everything at once, I know that's her thing, but I think Marie must not be living in the same universe I live in because that was not possible for me. But here's the thing. She's also Japanese. And so... Their homes are a lot smaller. Everything is smaller in Japan. Like their their homes are smaller. They don't have a lot of clutter. So I think that the concept is good. But when you're in America, we consume a lot. So I we think can just it, move things around a lot. Yeah, I just think it's it's just different. It's different, you know. So I think there's a, a place for it. Okay, go Gail. As well, um, I I have not read her book. I have not seen her Netflix special. However, um, I do like her concept of sparking yes. joy. And there's a big, big, big but to what I think of the Marie Kondo method in that the people that I get to work with and most organizing clients would just be completely overwhelmed yes. by her methodology of having everything collected in the middle uh, of your room. They would be like, F this, I'm uh, out of here. I'm not doing this. Shut, and I would be a shutdown. With any a shutdown. A system a is only yeah. effective if, totally. it, if you can maintain it. So if you're organizing to yes. the point that your family cannot maintain your system, well, first of all, it can't just be you got it all organized. There has to be a system for the organization. Yes. An ongoing plan and system. But if it's not maintainable, it it wasn't worth doing. And And I agree. But I did break the Marie Kondo into chunks, and that did work for me. The thing I loved about hers was um, like making clothes fit in the space, like how she folds t shirts and stuff. Now, that was revolutionary at my house (laughs) because we weren't turning the stack upside down to find the one, you know, t shirt with this on it. And so I do love things like that. So I just want to encourage our listeners. You've got to find the one that works for you and your situation. Like, is your situation that you have too much stuff or is it just in disarray? What is your situation? What's your personality? You know, you give someone with ADD that Marie Kondo idea and their whole home's going to be turned upside down and never put back again. But I also want to leave with one idea to ask for help. Ask for help from a professional like Gail or um, even a friend. Um, as a stylist, I go through people's closets with them. That's one of the services I offer. And I think Christina can attest how helpful mm. that was. Sometimes we oh need gosh. a little permission it was and so a little good. support. Um, even if it's in your, and for me being midlife, what I did not want to do is climb around on the floor sometimes, like in my kitchen. So my office assistant, one day I had her organize the Tupperware down there and hand things to me, and I got to stand up. So if we get creative, there's ways to do this, right, Gail? Totally. And for, to your point, um, one of the things that I find with clients is many of them say, I could never have done this by myself. Mm. And we have the concept of body doubling. So sometimes even just having another person there with you in your space, whether it's, you know, physically there or virtually holding the space, 
makes a humongous difference. There's an exponential. I, I don't know. There, there's got to be an equation out there. But like you say, a body double, there's an exponential rate of what you get done that is far beyond just double the amount. Because I know the days Huge. I have an office assistant here, we knock out so much stuff that it's not just what two people, it just is magnified. So I think sometimes like if you're cleaning out a closet and you just have someone you're sitting in the floor uh, going through your shoes. If you have someone that you're handing the shoes to and they're walking them across the room, putting them in a box, or um, you're in the closet and they're taking them out of the closet, or just little things like that. When we were in my son's room, I told my husband, I'm going to crawl around on the floor and pick up all the Legos and bits and pieces, and you're going to put them in the ones of these boxes that go in, whether they're Legos or video games. I mean, that's how messy his room was. But for me to not have to get up and down off the floor we knocked it out so quickly. He's walking around. I'm crawling. Y'all, we can do this. So I want to challenge our listeners to organize something this week. Just organize anything, a drawer, a room, a closet, your car. Oh my gosh, your car. Go through your glove compartment. Go through the, the middle um, console there. There's so many things. And when you get things in order, you'll see one, what you need. You see what's missing and you say what needs to go. Because sometimes there are things missing that you need to pick up and you can have a list. So when you go shopping, you buy the right things to make your life better. Right, Gail? Yes, absolutely. Well, you have just been a joy and a delight. And you make organizing seem nice and fun and not so. She's just so lovely with her <laughs> earrings and stuff. And, you know, when I think of organizing, I think of heavy lifting and all the bad things. So, Gail, you just make it seem lovely and I'm inspired to go do some. Uh yeah, oh, thank you. That's that's such a, a huge compliment. If I could make a difference in one person's life, life well, is good. <laughs> I, I like I like your energy. It's very calming because if you yes. have have seen other other organizers, sometimes their energy is too high, and going into a space where you've got to declutter or you know you're dealing with a high emotional person that has to revamp a room. Well, she seems very it's, real too, Gail. Yeah, you seem very it's, practical. It's, it's very leveled, which I like a lot. I try. Yeah. Well, because we some of these organizers, it's all about yeah. making it look pretty. And I mm. need things to be functional before they're mm -hmm. even pretty. That, yeah. And sometimes yes. that can be a piece of masking tape, labeling something that doesn't have to be so beautiful because... Some of this is just baloney when it comes down to everyday life. Let's just, and Gail's shaking her head rapidly over there. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. It, yes. If it works, then it's the right system. If it doesn't look good to the outside world, but it's working for you, ah, but then it works. And never <laughs> underestimate inexpensive fixes. I bought a plastic Lazy yes. Susan thing that sits on the edge of my tub with all my shampoos and stuff in it because they were all in a basket. And I would have to dig awesome. them out. And now I can reach my razor, my shampoo, my mask. Just I just spin That's it and awesome. pick what I want. It was probably eight bucks. I mean, really, y'all, they're inexpensive <laughs> solutions. Yeah. So ask yourself what bugs you. Oh, we could just go on all day, Kate and Christina. Yes. Especially day. Christina and I are collectors of products and makeup. So oh, my gosh. We talk about organizing that. But there is an answer. There is a solution for any organizational problem. So, Gail, where can they connect with you and find out more about what you do? The best way is on my website. The company is Let's Get Organized, and the website is lgorganized.com. lgorganized.com. Well, thank you for being with us, Gail Grimberg. And remember, we're telling you to go organize something today. And what else, Christina? Until next time.
go and get your moxie on. Bye. Bye now.